sitting down and engaging with people. It's just not what people seem to want from me. They want me to just come in and provide them with a design and, and all the solutions to their problems. We're born into a culture that inculcates or infuses us with certain ways of thinking. And whether we like it or not, we're, we're all caught in a lot of different ruts or different habitual ways of doing things. And to work regeneratively, you just got, you can't do it from within all of those ruts. And so a process isn't regenerative unless we're being disrupted out of the ruts. Welcome on back to the Making Permaculture Stronger podcast. This is Dan Palmer coming at you with episode 37. And today we're going to do something different. What am I going to do? I'm going to work one-on-one with an existing permaculture designer who's been permaculture designing for like, I don't know, maybe 10 years or something, and who has reached out to me requesting some assistance and support for him on his journey as, as a designer. He's feeling drawn to changing things up in various ways. And after listening to this podcast, um, not to mention the fact we've been friends for quite a while, he reached out for help. Originally, he was imagining like a kind of one-on-one conversation. I had an idea and said, what the heck? Why don't we record it and release it as an episode if, if we decide we want to afterwards, which he was up for. And I'm really excited and I want to try and explain why, because there's lots going on here. Um, I do need to acknowledge the the inspiration of Ca- uh, particularly Carol Sanford as well as the regenerous g- regen- the, the generous and regenerous regenesis folk, Ben Haggard, Joel Glansberg, Bill Reed in particular, for the stimulation and the provocation, the disruption they've given me over the last, oh, what is it, I don't know, at least six months. And it's really using some of the frameworks I've picked up from them where I've realized what's possible here. And why am I so excited? Well, so what I'm going to attempt here is an experiment where A, Simon Marshall, my guest for today, gets value, that he does get authentic support in his journey forward. B, you, the listener, find places and points of resonance and overlap with your own experience, and so you get support. And to my excitement, this is already happening. You know, in the last two weeks, I've been getting emails and comments from people that are listening to these podcast episodes and really sitting with the ideas and applying them to their own life and work. It's already happening. I want more of that, you know. Why not? So the idea is that not only is this benefiting Simon, it's sending beneficial ripples of impact um, out through this little microphone and your speakers into your ear holes and into your life. And on top of that, and more explicitly than in the past, a third aspect of this is that I benefit enormously. So I'm getting a really incredible opportunity to grow and evolve and to lean into my fear, put myself in a position where I don't really know what I'm doing. And my answer to how am I going to do this is yes. I remember a comment Carol Sanford once made that some point early in her career, she was approached and asked if she wanted to lead up the kind of restructuring of Colgate Europe or some some massive company doing some big shift. And they said, could you help us with this? And she said, yeah, I can help with that. She explained afterwards that what she said was, yeah, I can help with that. She didn't say she knew how to do it. That came in the process. And so that's how I think of what I'm doing here. This is something I want to get better at. I want to get better at adding value in real time, um, at cutting to the chase, at kind of getting a feel for the essential uniqueness of, of someone or someone's situation and be able to make useful uh, interventions by way of questions, suggestions, and so on. And even though it's not a highly developed skill right now, I know that if I jump in and give it a shot, that if I do it five times, ten times, I'll be better at it than I am now. So I'm going to be learning, growing, evolving, hopefully as Simon is, and hopefully as you are. 
I mean, how good is that? Uh, I should mention that this was recorded in February 2020. So it was very early days of coronavirus. That wasn't a big kind of conversational topic yet. There will definitely be at least one follow-up episode with Simon. The first half of this conversation is really hearing his story in a, in a way, much like other podcast episodes. Second part of the, the episode is where we start to dive into his um, his question and me trying to be of service in terms of supporting his evolution and growth as a permaculture designer. Now, before we launch into it, I'll mention that this podcast sits within a larger project called makingpermaculturestronger.net. You're welcome to visit if you're not aware of it. I'm incredibly lucky to benefit from a small but growing number of patrons who at some point have visited the website patreon.com slash makingpermaculturestronger. And from like a dollar a month, so 12 bucks a year, people that are getting some kind of value out of this are very generously supporting me and enabling me to free up more time. Because I tell you, I've got enormous amounts of passion for this work. You know, if I could, I'd be, to be honest with you, this would pretty much be my full-time job. And so gratitude to anyone that that feels moved to support it. It, For people that support it at 10 bucks or more a month, by the way, there's a there's a six weekly gathering where we're coming together and and evolving a community of of design practice that you're welcome to check out um, if you like and speak to me if there's any financial obstacles there and we'll We'll sort it out. All right, let's jump on with Simon. And uh, thanks for being with me on this uh, debut experimental journey. So here I am with a, I was going to say old friend. It's not these old. It's just that we've been friends for a while. Um, and colleague in the design space. I, I guess I should also confess that there's a, my kid's got a budgie on the weekend. And um, that budgie is currently located on my shoulder. So then you might occasionally wonder what all this squawking is about. Although it's generally pretty quiet. Anyway, so Simon reached out. Uh, we haven't seen each other for a while. He's moved one way out of Melbourne and my, with his family. My family's moved the other way. So there's a couple hundred Ks between us. But Simon, you've continued to work in the design space and you've reached out. You've been listening to the Making Permaculture Stronger podcast and you're just sort of interested in a bit of support and conversation around where you're heading um, with your design practice. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, like set the scene, like fill, fill me in where you're at, where you, where you want to be heading and let's see what happens. Cool. Thanks for your time, Dan. I was just sort of just saying to you before that I, I guess I, I came through a bit of a difficult time with my business. I had a, a big blowout on a, a job um, uh, in that I, I didn't get paid for a, a bit of work, but more so the expectation of uh, some work that I was going to be doing and I didn't get didn't come to so I t- I've taken on some uh, casual work gardening work again which is a big sort of uh, you know it feels like a step backwards actually um, because it's what I where I've come from is is uh, originally doing gardening and uh, conventional gardening and landscaping sort of work way back and anyway in this job I've had a bit of time and yeah, to, to listen to podcasts. It's part of Sorry to interrupt. Maybe yeah. just for, for, for listeners. So you, you talked about how it felt like a step back. Yep. A step back from what? So you, you were doing that previously okay. and then what did you step forward to? So originally I was doing conventional gardening uh, and in, in Melbourne many years ago, like honestly like 20 years ago is when I started doing that and 15 to 20 years ago. And I moved away from that because of the kind of, one of the reasons was, I guess, I was always pretty environmentally minded and the, the resource use and stuff like the fossil fuels, mowing lawns, blowing and hedging and all that stuff, I just really didn't, didn't sit with me uh, back then. So I kind of moved away from it um, by moving overseas and studied um, in, in Canada where I 
worked with a guy um, who was a gardener as well, but and he did conventional gardening as well. Funnily enough, he had, but he had this really beautiful edible garden um, that, and I lived with him, and he had this beautiful little edible garden in Vancouver that he'd made himself. And that was the impetus for me. I, I was coming back to Australia. I was like, I want to, this is what I want to do when I get back. I want to do edible gardening. I want to do this edible landscaping. So I, I got back and I searched edible, uh, edible gardens as a business name, actually. And I found there was somebody who already had that name and he lived like right near where I lived in on the Mornington Peninsula. So I contacted that guy. I can't even remember his name. I think you knew him. Yeah, it's Drew. Yeah, I remember him being really nice. And we talked, but he didn't have a capacity to employ me at the time. And I kind of needed work pretty badly, having just come back from overseas. So in the end, I moved back to Melbourne and inevitably got back into conventional gardening. I got a job as a head gardener for a pretty... Uh, nice garden and I was doing that but it's, it was more of the same so I I, I quit uh, I was there for about a year but I quit and actually in, while I was working there I remember uh, is when I first met Raph. All right so this is future Dan, Dan Palmer coming at you from the future as in after this conversation happened. Just to fill you in, in a couple of names that Simon mentions. So the first one is Raph. So Raph is a mutual friend. It turns out that he is currently a housemate of another mutual friend, Adam Grubb. Adam Grubb is my co-director, long-term friend and collaborator in Variable Gardens. I mention Adam because Simon is going to mention Adam shortly. He and I ended up working together doing permaculture. We started doing permaculture garden installs like uh, I just when I first got back from Canada, my parents bought me the designer's manual. They, they it was one of the best gifts I ever got. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is exactly what I want to get into, and that was my first real understanding of what permaculture was. Before that, I thought it was just something to do with no-till gardening. It was kind of what I thought it was or something. I didn't really know. Uh, it's quite funny how much bigger it was than I thought it was, and. Anyway, I, I met Adam through Raf, and then Adam asked me while I was working at that at Carlton, Carlton Gardens if I would come and uh, to a meeting about this edible garden business that he was setting up. And I was like, "Oh, I'm pretty good. I've just got this job." It was a sort of situation where I, similarly to what I'm doing now, I guess, is where you you react to your financial situation. And I stuck with this conventional job, but soon after realised that I. It wasn't fulfilling me. Yeah, that was my first sort of how I first got into permaculture. Was then I started doing stuff with RAF. We started doing uh, grey water installs and rain gardens and just edible landscaping, which was really fun. And we we didn't have heap of work, but we did some good stuff. So yeah, here I am back, still doing that. Like I, my my main work that I do is is design and garden consultation actually through Bullying Art and Garden. So I. I get a lot of design work from that and I find probably 80% of the work I do, everybody wants edible gardens these days, which is fantastic, or a component of edible gardens. Can I just check too, did you mention you did a PDC along the way? I did. So when I was working at Citywide doing the Carlton Gardens job, I approached them about, I wanted to do this course. I found out about the PDC that was happening in Melbourne and they said I couldn't do it, which was one of the reasons I quit. So they wouldn't give me leave to do the PDC because they knew that I would 
probably leave it afterwards. <laughs> Fair enough. Heavy, yeah. yeah, so I, I ended up doing it though over a whole year at um, in Ballarat, up where, near where you live. So I caught the train up from Melbourne once a month to Ballarat and did this all seasons permaculture course, which was really one weekend a month was really great. That was probably, I don't know, 10 years ago or something. So yeah, I'm doing quite a lot of design work from home and consultancy work. I really enjoy the consultancy work. So I go to people's houses for either an hour and a half or two hours, depending what type of consult they book. And I just problem solve or, um, or we start working on a design for like a blank slate or a re redo or I get a lot of satisfaction out of the consultation process. Like I said, a lot of people are putting in edible gardens or veggie gardens. And I find more often than not, I'm trying to talk people down from what they, what they think they have time for. I guess I've sort of learned the hard way as, as a lot of people have that um, we're all kind of time poor and um, we only have so much knowledge and, and energy and everything for gardening. So people often want to put in these really elaborate edible gardens and it's often probably not the best thing. And, and I try and I, I, I try and focus on perennials as much as possible for that reason. And just smart design as in try where, where it's not an edible landscape. I'm trying to encourage people to have more shrub and ground cover plantings rather than perennials because they are less maintenance basically and that's what everybody says they want they want an edible garden but they want a low maintenance garden so it's an interesting one it's i mean it's probably a pretty common thing i mean i'm just i was just reflecting there's probably a lot of common themes imagine with a lot of listeners because it's pretty it's a pretty common story that i've heard from a lot of folk that they were working in the gardening industry and quite Mm -hmm. often conventional landscaping or maintenance yeah yeah and sometimes starting to listen to podcasts inside their their earmuffs while they're operating a leaf blower or something and starting to think, hang on a second, you know, I don't don't know how good I feel about this anymore. And then like you're talking about getting into moving toward permaculture design and starting to work in consultancy and that reality that so often, you know, like you you hear about permaculture and you're like, oh, we'll make the whole garden a a veggie bed or whatever. And part of it is what you're doing is honoring the beautiful energy and potential that they're expressing, the excitement, but kind of supporting them to bring it back to, like Bill Wilson says, start start with a square meter at your back door or whatever, you know, just do start something with smaller, manageable. Otherwise, there's that risk of getting overrun, not being able to maintain and giving up on the whole thing. And it's it's talking myself down too, because I am inclined, as you are, and Adam and, and anybody who's into this stuff, in, inclined to encourage people to go hard. And I know that that's what you know, I've worked, I worked with Veg and I'm... Future Dan here once again at your service to let you know that Veg is a shorthand for Very Edible Gardens, the permaculture design firm that Adam Grubb and I co-own and co-direct. I know what you guys do and you do it well. I feel like some people really can cope with those kinds of intensive gardens, but not everybody can or I don't know. But then who am I? Who am I? This is what I, then I sort of go, hang on, who am I to tell these people what they can and can't do? So that leads me to partly what I wanted to talk to you about, which I was really inspired by on your podcast, listening to a few people. One of the one of the guys, Jason, I think, was talking about the the problem of guards not being implemented that he designed, and that that's a problem I've definitely been frustrated with. I've now teamed up with a, an old colleague, another guy that Raf and I work with, Lucas, who you, you know, and we've been working together a bit. 
to, to make sure from my perspective, even though I don't live in Melbourne, I'm designing from, from out of Melbourne and going into Melbourne and to make sure that those jobs actually get implemented. He's, we've teamed up and that's working really well. But so that's good. But um, still more, still like a lot of the big designs I, I've done, I look back and I go drive past or whatever and they haven't done anything. I'm like, what have I done wrong here? You know, like, uh, you know, I think it was just big dreams and not a lot of reality and resources behind it. So I really have taken, I've actually taken on trying to implement the holistic decision-making at, at the start, as I know you guys do. And I learned, I did the Regrarians course and that's obviously a big part of that process that they teach. Hey, I might just jump in anticipating listeners who might not hear these things. So holistic decision-making is something that I have evolved and adapted, initially inspired by Alan Savory's holistic management, where it's less focused on farming or ranching or grazing, and it's more focused on supporting decision-makers per se to get clear on what they're after, to, for, to articulate their, their why, their intention, what quality of life means for them, and move forward um, where decisions are made towards that. Based on a, a realistic resource base as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that idea of what's your, what's your resource base and, what, and how does that need to be into the future if you're going to continue to live the life you want to live. And then Regrarians, many people know, is the creation of Darren Doherty and, um, and his family, which is a comprehensive uh, approach to farm. Uh, everything farm design creation management etc yeah so i guess influenced by that i mean i did courses with you and darren quite a long time ago and i like you and your family have have used that holistic decision making successfully for small and big things in our lives but not particularly consistently it's not something i'm doing regularly but it's in the back of our minds and we talk about it a bit so I've tried to bring that to the design that I do, and sometimes it's sometimes it's been successful. But to be honest, more often than not, I just find people aren't really engaged. Well, I'm struggling to get people engaged with it, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about: is how do I get people to sort of engage in that process? It's to avoid future problems like this problem that I just had with a, a customer. I sat down and did a holistic plan, tried to do a holistic planning session with her. It was pretty rushed and she wasn't that engaged and I could tell. So I didn't want to waste any more of her money and my time or her time on it. Then I thought we'd sort of covered everything. But as it turns out, the resource, I think she just wasn't honest with me, to be honest, about the resource base. So that was a big problem. And I guess more, what I'm finding is people are just wanting to outsource everything. And that sitting down and engaging with people, it's just not what people seem to want from me. They want me to just come in and provide them with a design and, and all the solutions to their problems or, or you know, problems they don't even know they have or whatever with their landscapes. So that's been, a, that's been one of the things that's been sort of troubling, when, troubling me. In small ways and big ways, I had this big job that blew up, but also just in little ways like people, like I said, not getting being engaged in the process, and which is probably a big, pretty big thing actually. Yeah. So I'm really interested in what you were talking about with facilitating design process, and that's what mm -hmm. I do in my consultations, and I really feel like that's a much more dynamic space, which I, I feel really confident in walking into. Like I walk mm -hmm. into houses every week several times a week and i just feel like i know what i'm doing whereas uh on the larger scale when you try and when you get this master plan and you create you've got to place everything i'll share my screen with you but so yeah i i, I do these detail plans can you see that i can't hear you 
Oh, your your mic's off. Yeah, I've been muting myself partially because of the budgie, which is now <laughs> gone. No, I can't see it. Oh, okay. Why, why would that be? Did you, you click share screen? Oh, did you? I've got to click share. I didn't there you see go. Now, now we're talking. Yeah. Hey, Danny, jumping in from the future to let you know that if you go to the show notes for this episode, which will be makingpermaculturestronger.net slash E37 and look at image one, you'll see the diagram that Simon just shared with me. So, yeah, I, I've developed this, you know, when I worked with you guys, we, we, you were using Illustrator. I've kind of I've taken that to a, a different level in that I try and get really detailed with the plants and I have different, like, different little, um, di- you know, drawings for each plant. I've hand-drawn them and I try and create this realistic-looking design to give people a sense of how it will feel and, and, and look. Yeah. But, yeah, my, in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, you know, there's going to be things I haven't thought of here or it's not going to look how I think. And I know that from being a landscaper that when I worked even on my own designs, I, there was always things that I changed on the ground and you have to inevitably. And so I feel like I'm kind of selling people a bit of a furphy and, and I feel a bit inauthentic. Can you define furphy for non-Australian listeners, please? It's a, I actually don't know, it's like a, a story that um, isn't true. I'm, I'm pretty confident, <laughs> that's it, I'm pretty confident that I've thought about it a lot. And this is the mm-hmm. problem, because yeah. it's a master plan, I'm in it so deeply, I'm thinking about it and I'm placing plants and I'm thinking about every step and I do like cross sections, I'll show you here. I do these cross sections now where I've thought about the height of every sleeper and I've wow. Contour lines and stuff, and it's cool, but it just takes so long. Hmm. And then they might go, oh, "We don't like that bit," and you have to change it all. So I'm frustrated with that process. It's it's slow and time-consuming. In that um, I'm not getting paid enough for it, basically. And hmm. the la- the most recent design I did, I did I did all that. I did the aerial view design, and uh, it was a concept. But I went, I, I tended to go into more detail than I should because I'm pretty confident in it. And then they didn't didn't really understand it so I, I drew these concepts drawing I'll share with you mm-hmm. and this is the this is the kind of process I do in my consults more often than not with a much rougher version of what I'm going to show you future Dan here again and this is image two so this kind of stuff like where I've taken a photo and I just draw over the photo oh yeah um, and draw a few lines and, and then this one's obviously getting more detailed mm-hmm and I get to that. Future Dan, let you know you can look at image three on the show notes. So what I found is that they were like, oh, now we get it. And, mm-hmm. and so what I'm looking at doing now is just not getting started on the design. When I've got it, I've got a couple of new customers coming in now for the design work. I'm just going to start with these concept level drawings to get my, what's in my head out on a page and clearer to them um, without wasting too much of my time. So that's, that's just a solution that I'm... Yeah, that's where you're at, yeah. But yeah, going back to what I was saying about your, your facilitation of the design, I mean, I do tend to do that a bit in the consultancy process and then I get detail and mm-hmm. yeah. Mm, yeah, awesome. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm ready to ask some questions and explore this more. But is there anything else you want to add to the kind of? Because in a sense, you're giving me a not a brief, but you know, you're describing a situation you're you're in. Well, you you're you you clearly sense that there's there's potential in the way you're working and, and how much joy it brings you, how well it connects with customers, the extent to which mm. they go ahead and do cool stuff. 
um, yeah. and all that, that basically that you feel a sense that you're really offering value and that you're receiving value as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you've reached out hearing resonance with some of the journeys of some of the people I've interviewed on the podcast and want to have a conversation about that. Would you add anything to, to flesh it out? Yeah, right. I mean, there's a lot to work with. Yeah, already. I kept yapping over your, uh, your, your speaking there, but I wanted to ask, I wanted to get into some bigger questions to be honest, because all, all that said about my current work situation, I'm okay with doing uh, urban design, but I'm really, wanting to do something bigger and get my teeth into something. I'm feeling the real urge to do uh, more meaningful work in that, like I said, I've always been one of a better word, an environmentalist, and I want to do something to facilitate the healing of, of landscapes on a broader scale and particularly motivated by this bushfire season, I guess, and just seeing where we're headed uh, with all that um, climate change and, and everything. I, I guess I just want to put my skills to better use is what I'm trying to say. And so I, I want to, I've started to, to I've instigated some conversations around that with a few people around here in, in Warrigal, just in West Gippsland and also in Melbourne. And I realised through listening to your podcast, one of the things that, it's really obvious and my, my wife's always been telling me this, but I'm working by myself all the time and I, there's only so much I can do and I don't even have anyone to bounce ideas off more often than not. And so I've decided to sort of kind of put together a team and, and try and work cooperatively, um, uh, collectively. And I wanted to ask you about that because I know that's what you did. Very How Veg started was a very large team. I, I may have been one of those had I paid more attention, but... I know, you know, that's how things kind of got started with you guys and also just listening to that Regenesis group, that was really inspiring on how long they've worked together and how they work together. I was just like, that's meaningful. I, I really want to get into that sort of work. And Regrarians is another really good example of the, the broader community they've set up there. It's just so powerful. And um, the Otway Agroforestry Network is another one that I really admire. That's the kind of stuff I want to get into and... I don't know if I should ask you some questions now, if you want to, you said you wanted to ask me some questions, but that I just wanted to touch on that before we moved on. This is all great. One quick comment I'll make is that the further I go along, the more general or, you know, I guess generally applicable, the same underlying principles of healthy process and facilitating healthy process are. And so I start to notice certain patterns. And one, this is just what just happened right now is a beautiful example of a, of a pattern, which was you were painting a picture or describing your situation and you started at a high level of resolution and, or with the details of some of the tensions you're experiencing in the way you're working now. And in a design context, it would have been totally possible to launch into that. Like, okay, let's, let's clarify those and, and look at ways of you know, evolving that or whatever. But then that turned out to be a prelude or a lead-in, you know what I mean? To, to zooming back out again and saying, well, you know, to be honest, what, what I'm really about, what, I'm, what, what is really kind of exciting me and, you know, I can, I'm, I'm drawn towards it in terms of me showing up as me and offering value to the context I'm, I'm in, which yeah. incidentally was Ben Haggard's definition of potential. Yeah, which is around heading in a whole different direction, right? And so obviously it's going to be a much better place to start there than, than kind of fiddling around with, with the details although that said it's not that that was useless at all because there'll be similar patterns yeah um you don't want you don't want to start falling into the same 
um, exactly. patterns in terms of designs not being implemented and str struggling to engage people with holistic decision making and da 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 and, and, and ending up working with people that just want to outsource their lives and you just to give them this design which doesn't really end up you know all that stuff that, that's all that's all relevant information but I mean say anything else you want to but I'm, I'd be quite keen to to discuss the context in which this conversation could evolve where mm -hmm. where there'd be two aspects to it for me one well three let's say three one is that I have a I enjoy it. You know, it, it brings life to me and I feel like I'm adding value and learning stuff. One is that same goes for you, obviously, that you're actually, you're better off for having the conversation than not. And it's, and it's speaking to what you've just articulated. And the third is that it's, if it turns out to also overlap and be of service and of use and of value to listeners and followers of the project, then, I mean, that's a pretty sweet synergy right there. But did you want to add anything else before, you know, I, I, what, I'll, what, I'll, what I'm about to do when the time is right is, I guess, to sort of try and frame this to you know to think about where we're at here and and start to hone in on 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 next steps i could just yeah i could just run through what i wrote down i, I wrote yep. some notes this morning and i just i'll just quickly run through mm, great the rest of it just so i've said everything yeah you do it, do it i seek to be authentic in my dealings with people and the requirements of their landscape so that's like that's primary i think and i want to learn how to work better in a team in order to achieve more for the planet Knowing me, do you think I should be aiming to develop a team or work within a team? How do I, we, form a cohesive and relevant team? How do you think I can work toward bringing my or our essence into form? And that was something that really was very familiar to me, that terminology, and I, I, it struck me that that's what I'm always trying to do. <laughs> what can I, we realistically do as a role toward healing landscapes and people and preparing them for the reality for the future we are moving into? Currently, I feel stuck, blah, blah, blah. I think I've, I've covered that. Making decisions based on financial reaction a lot of the time. Limited to low-income ways of making money which fit with my ethics, but wanting to be authentic and make money. <laughs> there you go. And, yeah, let me know if you want me to go through any of that again. Obviously, that was a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we will come back and dive into some of this because, yeah, the way, the way I'd approach it is, like, facilitating any, any process these days, which is, like start with immersing in the whole you know what, what is the whole of what we're dealing yep. with clarify that it, it's been formed by regenesis and carol sanford and then what's unique about this whole what's what's unique about your situation what's unique about you and then moving towards the question of potential which is okay how could what's unique about you your situation where you live all that stuff and and what's happening with bushfires and raising aware of, awareness of climate change and what's the potential there for those things to come together and then moving on to how do we develop that potential and there's some other i'll just run through the first four of carol sanford's seven principles of regeneration which starts more inwardly focused and then moves to more outward focus later on so let's not get ahead of ourselves and i'm, I'm conscious that one thing you you expressed interest in is that part of making permaculture stronger there's every six weeks i'm, I'm holding space for an online gathering of people around the world mostly australia and new zealand but some from over We've got Han from Amsterdam, is it Amsterdam? Somewhere in Holland, I think it's Amsterdam. And a few people from the States and, and so on that are mostly watching the, the re recorded things. But how that's emerging is there's a lot of people that are, you know, there's similarities with the stories they're sharing. Sometimes they're new to permaculture or they're, they're engineers or they're doing something else and they want to find pathways into working in the space where a lot of what you just mentioned would have resonated, would, would resonate a lot. So I'm excited to start exploring a situation where together as a community we're supporting each other to evolve in these these directions and so yeah i mean unless you've got another suggestion what my inclination would be would be to start having the conversation where initially we would just 
I'd ask questions and would really go into that, you know, that list of, of things you just mentioned and really start to immerse in the forces at play there. And sometimes we might try and go a bit deeper and, and just start to get a feel for what it is you're really after here and then start to slowly hone in on the different aspects. Like there's the aspect around working as a team, there's the aspect about it's got to make you financially viable, there's the aspect about authentically engaging with others and landscapes and, and, and expressing your essence and, and so on. Yep. How does that... How does that sit? Sounds good, mate. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. I've been, ever since I interviewed Carol Sanford, I've been on the Carol Sanford bandwagon, but I've been learning a lot. I've joined mm. her online oh, community. She was striking, wasn't she? I... Yeah, she's, she's something yeah. else. Yeah. And, and what she does is really relevant to, to exactly what we're talking about here because what she does is, regenerate, is authentic regenerative thinking, regenerative mm practice regenerative process using what she calls living systems thinking but the idea is that you just sort of start in the right place in, in the sense of like what's really going on here what's the whole we're dealing with what what is the authentic essence of this whole and the people in it and, and what's the potential where as we go along i mean we're born into a culture that inculcates or infuses us with certain ways of thinking and whether we like it or not we're, we're all caught in a lot of different ruts or different habitual ways of doing things and um, to work regeneratively, you just got, you can't do it from within all of those ruts. You know, I'm, I'm in a lot of them, you're in a lot of them, we're all in a lot of them. And so for her, a process isn't regenerative unless we're being disrupted out of the ruts, you know, along the way. And so we're, we're really looking at ways of yeah. phase shifting or something like that. So there'll be another layer for me as I get to practice the kind of stuff I'm learning for, from her, as well as my, my own kind of existing and evolving understandings of design process. All right. Okay, enough small talk. Are you ready? I think I'm ready, Dan. Okay, I'm just going to take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> I might just go grab a drink, actually. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's honour this transition. Yeah, I'll, let's, I'll just grab a drink. Yeah, I'll do the same. I'll see you back in a minute or something. Well, listeners, this is future Dan coming at you from his current present to let you know that he has, I have, decided to stop here for today and to release the remainder of this conversation. Yes, I know, leaving the suspense dripping, hanging in the air, till the next episode. I just I just had a sense that it would be nice to start um, fresh, having we're, given we're at this threshold here, rather than an episode of a little bit more than an hour, why not go for two closer to, to 30 minutes? I hope that was useful. I'd love to hear what you all made of this experiment. I've now conducted the second iteration or the second stream of the experiment i had a lovely conversation with scott gallant who's part of a design firm called paul veneer design costa rica yesterday another great conversation um, in the space of supporting people having them ask questions and entering a conversation that's aimed at evolving permaculture design practice of of those in the conversation uh what else to say hmm i think that's probably about it for now so stay in touch appreciate all your communication i'm I've got a lot of energy for this right now. I'm really feeling like I genuinely want to make this podcast, this project as valuable as possible for anyone listening. I want to contribute as much value as I can to the global permaculture movement. And so I'm very open to reflections and suggestions, comments that anyone might have about ways I could improve what I've already been doing, ways that I could, new ideas, new, new directions, anything you would love to feel happening on a podcast. I'm starting to realize that, wow, there's so much more than just interviewing people that's possible on, on a podcast episode so if you have any ideas i'm thinking of different ideas about bringing really amazing combinations of people from around the world together to explore certain topics and and all kinds of stuff all right well 
you take care out there and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.